Hey Tom, why did the photographer cross the road? <laughs> why did the photographer cross the road? To get to Centrelink because I stole their job. Ha 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 Simulated authentic laughing. You're terrible, Muriel. Oh, cheer up. Take some pride in the fact that through your world-class photography, you helped to teach me to be so good. <laughs> <laughs> They're a little bit loose, a little bit unstrung, and they've probably had a few beers beforehand. Please welcome Matt Crummins and Tom Fancy Pants Putt with yet another episode of Matt and Tom's Excellent Adventure. I don't know about you, Tom, but I was just dancing the robot. <laughs> Been a been a long time, Matthew, since I was uh, hitting those um, nightclub dance floors and um, dancing the robot or anything else that looked ridiculous. So yeah, I don't know that I looked ridiculous. I thought I looked pretty good. I was actually watching a YouTube video the other day um, about it, and I was learning online how to do the robot dance for our intro. I should put. I should actually record a little video and put it on our we, show notes. We should. You know, we've taken over the podcast world, and now we should take over YouTube as well. Absolutely. Oh wow! Can you imagine? Can you imagine? <laughs> It'd well, be th- yeah, well, better it, it than would, that. Better than that other podcast show that's on at the moment. Yeah, I know, but they do say, you know what? If you've got a face for radio, stick to the podcasts. And um, and hey, so given we, that- no, we've got <laughs> we've got a good head for everything, mate. We are we are come on, we're pin up <sighs> pin up boys through and through. Something like that. Something we should like be that. the next boy band. Forget Backstreet Boys. We are the next boy band. You and we I should- and a few others. I think we should do. Maybe we should reshoot our um our little cover thumbnail image for the podcast and, and just us in white suits, matching suits with unbuttoned shirts, dark glasses, big gold chains. I think in Justin Timberlake style, you know. We should just do it just for a piss take. That could be good fun, actually. Maybe we should do that on a beach. Come on, on a beach with a horse in the background. <laughs> what, what do you mean the horse in the background? I'm riding the horse. <laughs> We're We're both riding horses. We're both riding a horse and we're holding hands at the same time. Oh, gosh. And I reckon that the new theme song is going to be Daryl Braithwaite, The Horses. Oh, you are channeling the Harry Styles concert from the other day. You were there, weren't you? No, did he? He sang Harry Styles, sang The Horses, and Daryl Braithwaite was there in the audience, in the congregation, in the crowd. Wow. Was he impressed or surprised? Uh, I think it was a little bit of both. I haven't seen the footage, but oh, um, right. I only know this because my three gorgeous girls went there on Saturday night. We were down at the Great Ocean Road for a very important family wedding, which we had a great not, time. Not yours, wedding. obviously. Not no? ours, Matthew, as oh. you know. No, that's I just, not I don't right. know. It might have been a surprise one, you know. You're good <laughs> that's correct. Sorry you couldn't make it. And then uh, they had to rush back the following day and uh, hit, the, hit the Marvel Stadium for Harry Styles, but... What a what a fifty three thousand people, and he books it in for two nights. Like that's over a hundred thousand people. Hundred thousand, sorry, should I say, teenage girls saw him in concert. So there you go, Tom. You know what? I mean, if they had a photography concert, I reckon you'd pull that crowd. <laughs> it's just you in the middle of a stage in the middle of the stadium, just taking pictures and Matt, stuff. Matt, everyone just watches you for like three hours. Matt, now you're being silly. I I know we struggle to get. 500 people along to a, a festival in Bright in Victoria. How am I? And, and I'm the headline act. That's all about the distance, though. That's about distance. That's, that's nothing oh. to do with the other, you know. 
<laughs> Nothing to do with the talent. Nothing I think to it's do with the, the talent, Tom. Yeah, yeah. Okay. How have you been? I've been great, thank you. And you? Yeah, I've actually been really good. I finished up a really big project last week and I'm super happy to be unshackled from my computer for like five or six seconds. We do get a bit stale when we spend too much time in front of the screen, don't we? Oh, so stale. You know what? The worst part is this is how stale I was getting. I went to Bright (laughs) over the weekend, right? Um, That's not the stale part. Um, For Laura's (laughs) birthday and we went with a couple of friends. And you know what? I didn't even pack my camera. I was just like... No, I'm just going up there as a holiday with the yes. family. I can't even do this today. No. Tell me, did you have any FOMO? Did you have any opportunities where you're like, actually, I should have really brought it? Oh, you know, it would have been probably been nice to get some photos, some nice photos of the kids playing in that. But the thing is, when you take a camera, then I'm not really there doing the playing. So you're not I, present. Not, not really. Present. Yeah, I'm not present. No. So I, I actually don't. No, I don't regret it for a bit. But I'd probably regret not staying up there for an extra couple of nights whilst the family headed home and then maybe do, did a bit of shooting up there because it's it's a lovely time of year. Like it's it's it is a beautiful time of year at the moment. There's lots of like that low fog in the morning, but then it clears a bit. But on the top mm. of the mountain, it's still in a cloud. It just mm. it's got a good mixture. Got a good mixture. I, I've noticed recently, and I love it that the light is starting to change now. We're not in that harsh summer midday light anymore. It's a mm. bit it's a bit softer, which means that autumn's coming along in winter. And autumn in Melbourne is my absolute favourite time. I love it. It's not bad, is it? Yeah. Well, interestingly, you talk about doing that because I too went down the Great Ocean Road, as I said, for this wedding and had every intention to take every single lens and drone under the sun and left it all behind. I'm like, no, I'm not going there to work. I'm going there to spend family time. And we had some cloud and rain and sort of not thunderstorms but um, some interesting cloud formations because we had this beautiful house down at Y River overlooking the water up sort of the side of the hill. I know, ask me how much it cost. And then... um, I, I didn't really wish that I had my camera to do any of that. So I think there does come a point sometimes where you sort of, us as more, perhaps more professionals where we're spending a lot of time with our cameras, need to understand when it's time to put the camera away versus time to pull it out. Absolutely. I couldn't mm. agree more. I, I actually think um, we had some funny comments from our last episode, Tom, about the, you, when you um, – you were talking about that lady that you met in Yellowstone who had the, you know, the, the yes. 800 mil lens, yes. which is worth a fortune. And and someone said, well, I'd be pretty bloody motivated to get out there if I spent that much money on a lens as well, because True. I feel so guilty otherwise. Yep. yep. Well, that's a good <laughs> but, point. Yep. But um, so if you don't want to buy a brand new spanking lens for whatever, $20,000 or whatever they are oh, these days. $10,000. $10,000. Well, it's still a fair, fair whack of money uh, for a lens. I know um, it is. You know, another way is just to maybe... um put the camera down and enjoy some of these locations without the camera in front of you because it actually makes you look at things that, you know, because you're not looking from a photography perspective because you don't even have a camera. And so I was looking around bright, walking around bright. It was so good for location scouting because suddenly I wasn't trying to get something out of it. You weren't like looking around every corner trying to find a a moment or or a shot. But I just happened to kind of notice a bunch of places I've normally walked past that actually would be a really good opportunity. Yep. Yeah. So there you go. Much cheaper. Unless you rent that house that Tom rented in Y River, that's probably about the same. It was $850 a night. Yeah, it's pretty much like that, isn't it? These days, you can't get a cheap rental anymore. Not Even the it. caravan parks, if you get like a, just a, a cabin, 
How like much are they? They can be up to like $300 no. for those little crap cabins. Yeah. Are you serious? $300 yeah. a night for a little Some, cabin yeah. in a caravan park? You know, the one at Bright at the moment, I won't yeah. name the name, but it's the one I normally go to. Yes. Um, and the reason I'm, I've been saying this is we're actually, um, we're selling our caravan at the moment. Um, oh, controversial. A, Why is, is that? Well, You're not going to do any more bloody, you know, trips away? What's no, we're on? doing lots. We're actually doing lots of trips away. But no, what we noticed is, well, First part, the caravan sale. So the reason we're getting rid of the caravan at the moment, potentially, um, when I say potentially, it's because we've just whacked a really high price on it and we sort of figured it's on. You're gouging the market, aren't you? We're not gouging, you maybe taking wanted. advantage of the market, but it's, it's um, but it's it's actually, you've got to go away for at least a month because we, we don't do a lot of travel around Victoria um, when, as a family. I do a bit for work, but I'm also kind of happy just to jump in a swag and stuff like that. But um, the... Yeah, we sort of figure that for us to go away and do a really good trip where I can do some photography, um, you know, and, and make it a really worthwhile exercise for family and for work, we need to be away for about six weeks to eight weeks. Yeah. And um, that is getting more and more difficult as things are getting busier. Laura's uh, work, she's got leave, but not infinite amounts. And I want to get some international travel under my belt, mate. I'm just, yeah. I'm so chomping at the bit to get away. So, yeah. but anyway, I've started having to look for my bright boot camps at going, well, rather than stay in the caravan park in the caravan, I'm going to have to stay somewhere. So here I am looking at the, um, the cabins there and they've got these Jayco pods. So this is not like a, your standard caravan park cabin. This is like, just like a, the bed fits in it. It's got a tiny kitchenette. It looks amazing. Like if you saw them on Instagram, you'd be like, oh my gosh, that's incredible. But when you're there in real life, you're like, I can't move. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's seriously, it's, 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 they look incredible. Like they're very space age, modern and stuff, but they're like 200 and something dollars a night, um, which is pretty incredible. So yeah, it doesn't surprise me that a house with beach views at Y River is $800. I think you've got a bargain. Right. Well, it's three bedroom and it's got a big jacuzzi on the balcony that overlooks the water. It is, oh, it is very nice. Don't. Very nice. Don't. Yeah, we've stayed there once before. Um, I love yeah. a jacuzzi. It's very good indeed. Um, yeah. I've got I've got two words, three words for you, Matt, with regards to where to stay in Bright. Oh. Red Earth Lodge. Oh, you thought eight hundred and fifty dollars a night was expensive. Yeah. Go look <laughs> at really? those rates, buddy. Really? Yeah. yeah, especially if you want use of the helicopter pad. Ah, oh, bloody Nick Fletcher! I tell you what, he's an he's an mm. entrepreneur. This is why he's got so much money. He knows exactly how to charge for a rental property. I tell oh, you what, that man, yeah. that man. Every yeah. time I see him, he's like, "Yeah, we've just upped it by thirty percent." I'm like, "Oh, okay, there you go." Yeah, okay. It sometimes well. does come with his company, which is, you know, that's worth something, I guess. <laughs> oh no, absolutely not. He should be paying you. <laughs> what are you about? Oh, so we've got a we've got a really big conversation we need to have today. So I reckon we need to kick this straight into the guts. Am I in trouble? You're not in trouble. Okay. In fact, it's quite the opposite. At the moment, it doesn't feel like the photographer that's in trouble. It feels like the technology's in trouble, and they're in trouble with photographers. Right. Go on. Mm. What's happening? Well, we are here today to talk about the elephant in the room, or the bot on the internet. Some would say. Um, we're here to talk about AI and its creeping little fingers that are prying its way into our world. <laughs> Sticky little fingers. How dare it? We need, to give this, we need to give this a name of some sort. I know. I know. It's, um, but I think we should, we should reframe this right, Tom, because we've talked about this quite a bit off the podcast. Off and now air. we thought we'd bring it into yes. off air, yeah. offline. Yeah. Offline. But we, so it's funny because there's so many different takes on this, like, um, where this comes from, bit of backstory, 
is that a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, it was in the last month-ish kind of time, um, the DigiDirect had their weekly photo competition and it was actually won by an AI bot um, that created what is, I think, a pretty stunning image um, and very realistic, uh, maybe unrealistic in the sense that the actual all the elements in there, it would be a bloody difficult shot to get, but realistic enough, it's possible. Um, and it won the competition. And before anyone could say anything, really, um, they came clean and said, actually, this was just a test. We weren't trying to take the money. We weren't trying to win the $100 from DigiDirect. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they've got much need for a camera, to be perfectly honest. Um, but they came really clean. And, and a lot of people sort of skipped over the them coming clean part and just went into full-on beast mode. Um <laughs> And uh, and and um, yeah, we we wanted to have a chat about AI technologies and how it's kind of feeding into photography these days because there's been a few news stories since then as well. There has there has it's interesting, isn't it? I think whenever anything like this comes along, where there's this emerging technology, um, sometimes it's the and this is not to be um, patronising or or um, degrading to to anyone. It's, it's sometimes that lack of understanding of this new technology that leads us to sort of default to an immediate defensive position, which is, oh, my God, this is this is horrible news. You know, this is going to kill photography. What's the point of taking photos if AI is going to do it all for us, et cetera, et cetera. Whenever something new enters the domain, it tends to mean that it, it's, it's met with much scepticism as opposed to, okay, let's understand what this is capable of doing. How is it going to integrate into our society? What are the uses and benefits of it? How can I perhaps use it to my benefit versus dismissing it altogether and perhaps, um, you know, running off uh, butt naked with our hands in the air? Um, so <laughs> unless, of course, you're just doing that for fun. I just do that. Um, I just do that. Or for the photo of opportunity. I'm um, just looking, yeah. I'm, Dennis Smith and I were always looking for an opportunity to get our pants off. <laughs> so, so is it worth us going back quickly and rewinding a bit? Because you've been in photography professionally a lot longer than I have because you've been around on this planet for about two or three times my, my, um, yeah, my that's span. Right. Yeah, so, uh, um, well, no, this is a, it's, a, it's a good thing you've got heritage. <laughs> I'm um, an old fart. I'm past yeah, it. My heritage used by, like it was long ago. That's what you said. A bottle of wine that's souring. Um, yeah. The, yeah, so tell me, um, we obviously, like, we're not going to go way back in time, but if you think about it from even the um, – the days of film photography moving to digital. Like that was a pretty big move. That was going to be the end of the world, wasn't it? I know, exactly right. You you, you think of all of the, the, the old school photographers, let's call them that, who had been shooting film for 20, 30 years or more, who had mastered the craft of being able to expose, well, let's just even talk about being able to put a 120 roll film into the back of a panoramic film camera and actually put the reel on properly and get it loaded properly and remember each time to, you know, to wind it on as opposed to doing a double exposure and being able to then expose a, a Fuji Velvia rated at 40 or 32 rather than 50 in order to get the best result and have, you know, four or five latitudes of, of exposure. You know, I've got to say that for, for those for those who are listening to Tom right now going, what the actual hell, I'm even saying that. So if you want to look at how far technology's come, you're talking only, all sorts of gibberish. I even heard the word film. What's that? Really, <laughs> film sales are like going off the charts and you can't even buy the stuff anyway. God knows. Well, but isn't that a bit of a joke? Because like if you, if you go that, look at that, purely the change from film to digital, and I'm sure there's a lot of people who thought that was a doomsday. I mean, 
here we are in 2023 when you've got this next wave of technology coming through and people are going, oh, you know what? I'm just going to go back to basics and like full on flipping back to film. You know, yeah, because and you know what? That's all about people feeling comfortable. So that's exactly my point. At the moment, we've got this AI technology coming in. You know, chat, whatever it's called, doing essays and you know, writing testimonials for people or whatever you want to say. Versus, um, you know, the the cameras these days. And I've totally just totally lost my train of thought. Um, you know, is you're saying the, about people being comfortable, about people being comfortable. Well, you know, like that's the default back to what they what they know. You know, like okay, mm. there's a disruption, but then they're going back to film because that's what they enjoyed and it brings back memories of what they did in the past, etc. Um, look at my kids. I never would have dreamed that when my daughter Ella was born back 20 years ago, that she would be buying vinyl records for her 21st birthday or her 20th birthday. You know, she yeah. she spends more money on vinyl and books than she does and, and clothes than she does on anything else to do with new technology, you know. And so, therefore, it doesn't mean that what's coming in at the moment is going to be bad for us at the end of the day. It may mean that we default back to what we enjoy doing, you know, in the future. But... It's, it's going to be integrated into our society. It's there not necessarily to be a bad thing. I would think it's here to enhance what we have. It's just at this stage, you know, and the other thing is too, it's, it's all new. So it's, 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 it's still finding its way in to have a purpose. Just because it's new technology and it's able to do incredible things doesn't mean that it has a useful purpose in our world unless we as society determine so. And, and what's a, that's a really interesting one because you're right, it is new, although the the word on the street, if you want to call it that, like this yeah. will be one of the fastest um, level ups in technology we've seen in a very long time because it's it's a bit of a, not all or nothing, but it is, um, it's got the ability to do all and do it really well. And so, so what, what, what are we talking about? Let's get to specifics. What is it that people are scared of with regards to... AI and and computers being able to generate photographs. What, so what, how is, is that going to disrupt the industry so much that we need to be worried? I totally agree with you. I actually am on your team with this, Tom. I'm not. <laughs> I, so before I'm we before, to, before to gets positioned like, as the person being defensive here, I actually um, Tom and I are very much on the same page with this because I look at photography and I think to myself. Um, you know, how can this technology actually impact us? And I think that there's a few different things that are at play here. So one of the biggest ones in terms of, there's two parts of AI for a start. There's the image generation, and then there's also the technology that goes into cameras that's AI capable. And the one that I look at with image generation, a um, couple of con- contentious parts is that people are upset that that chatbots actually train themselves off existing imagery. So they don't actually manufacture something from nothing and, and we'll get some clarification over this, but it doesn't manufacture itself from nothing. It uses um, millions or billions or, I don't know, I'm just going to say lots and lots and lots of different <laughs> images yeah. to understand what that image should look like. And then it goes and pulls at a pixel level. It's, t- it's kind of taking inspiration from people's shots. And so this is where it gets contentious because there's a lot of people out there calling this copyright fraud and fraud and saying that, you know, they're stealing our images and they're stealing our stuff. And it's like, okay, that is to an, to an extent it's, it's true that, that it is using people's images, but I don't know that it's any different to say like you running a workshop or someone looking at your gallery 
and taking inspiration and then going and photographing their own stuff. In no, fact, no more often than not, people are going to go out and probably replicate your work as yeah. opposed to create a fresh take on it. And if you look back to, you know, copyright in history, um, you know, even in recent days, like the, the was the producer, the guy who wrote Kookaburra Sits in the Old Gum Tree um, tried to sue men at work for Land Down Under. I know, they successfully, the same, they successfully did it. They did because yeah. it's got more than 10% or something crossover. Now, in an image like this, you're talking about a photo that's got, say, 20 million pixels and they're stealing photo, like, you know, or stealing, borrowing, taking inspiration from pixels from millions of photos. Your your contribution as a photographer, even if they used your work in that, your contribution as a photographer is so tiny that it's yeah. it's pretty hard to constitute that as copyright. Yeah. And it is scary because... I think people are saying, well, in this DigiDirect case, they obviously got slipped through the cracks and they won a competition. So you can have a keyboard, you know, some, I'm going to call them a keyboard warrior at home and that's not disrespectful, but I guess I call it a keyboard warrior because they're not out there doing the thing, but entering an image that they created um, and then potentially cleaning up and they can create situations that are near impossible to actually be out there and capture. So that's where I think the I think that's where the fear comes from is that people are kind of going well shit I've got to wake up at two in the morning to get out there and photograph the aurora in the middle of the night with Astro or you know when I'm having breakfast in the morning I could just type some words into computer and it'll pop the photo out for me yeah but you know and, the result might be similar but it's not the same you know journey in order to create that result so it's not. I think at the end of the day, you could you could argue the same point. If people, if, if the argument is, well, why bother taking photographs if a computer can do it for us? You'd kind of say, well, why bother taking photographs because there's thousands, if not millions, of other people doing the same thing that you're doing. I tend to agree, and I sort of think to myself, I look at the um, the example of most artwork, and that is that if you look at the value of say a, a painting versus a print of that painting, yeah. And you go, the, the, the painting itself, why is that worth, you know, in some cases tens of thousands of times the price of a print? Or in some cases millions of times the price. Yes. And you go, because it's the original one that had the hands on it, it's the thing that actually, um, it, it's the thing that happened, it's the real version. And it's, it's interesting with photography because it obviously blurs that line. And this is maybe where, and I don't know anything about this next bit of the topic, but this is maybe where that NFT thing comes into it, where it's like, you know, photographs can be stamped as originals essentially because it's the real deal. It's the, it's the actual thing. Um, maybe that's where that line is. But I kind of agree. I go, you know what? I don't take photos because I just want to see an amazing end result. I mean, if I was in that camp, I'd probably just go on Google and download someone else's work and, you know, and just post that up there because you know what, someone else has probably been to that place at the right moment with the right stuff, but it's actually the joy of capturing it. And that's Absolutely. what I think people are missing is you don't go out to, with your camera just to just to get something, um, you know, the same way that, you know, if you're going out for nice food, for instance, you, you don't want, you know, I'm sure a machine can make food, but is it as good as, you know, or is it as intimate or as meaningful as some, having someone actually there cooking it, you know? Yeah. It's about the experience. It's about the experience. And so therefore I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't subscribe to that point of view that what's the point, because I think if we think too deep and philosophical about this, I think that's where you get yourself muddled up because mm. you can then go down a rabbit hole of, of convincing yourself that your argument is in fact correct when perhaps it's, it's not factual. It's yeah, based on a whole lot of beliefs that you have that may or may not be true, uh, and I'm not again not trying to degrade or 
or dismiss people's um, opinions on this and it'll be really interesting to get feedback on this. Um, you can do it via our Facebook group, guys. In order <laughs> but, to but kindly and gently, please. Give your comment. Yeah, give your point of view. Point, put a case forward um, for why perhaps you think this is this is good technology or perhaps why it's not. But, you know, that whole idea around copyright, I don't see that that's going to be a big issue unless, as you said, there's a huge similarity between perhaps what a computer gener- has generated and what your photograph looks like. So there's obviously um, a case in point there. But at the end of the day, as you've illustrated, that that computer is generating that image from millions of examples of what's on the internet. And, and it's not taking, a, you know, multiple pixels from one image to, to create its own image. It's actually generating it itself. It's just using mm. images as a reference point. So that's a little hard to get your head around, but that's that I think covers off the sort of copyright issue. I'm sure there's going to be examples of where <laughs> um, artists are going to be taking um, companies to court based on a, an infringement of copyright, but that is very difficult in order to um, try and prove that that's, um, that's an infringement. Yeah, it's it's interesting what the the the, the um, ones that are that are active at the moment um, I've heard of in in court are actually um, people saying that the bot has been trained to reproduce something in the style of a specific person. So they've actually targeted oh, right. a person and said, like, yes. let's just use you as an example. And they've yeah. said, look, we're just going to pull out Tom, all of Tom's works that he's yeah. ever done and yeah. anything that references Tom, the people who've been on his workshops. We're gonna we're gonna go and grab that, and we're gonna create essentially an option which can generate a like Tom Putt photo. Yeah. yeah, and it's interesting because again, this sounds bloody terrifying because you go, well, that could wipe out the print, you know, the the the, the uh, print sales in in yes. your business. But yeah. I think the reality is that. Firstly, it's not creating a real thing. So if you put it on the wall, no one's going to they'll be going like, where's that from? And you're going, oh, I have no idea. It's actually not a real thing. You know, it's, yeah, it's, so it's, it's entirely a, fake. It's a form uh, of art, which is legitimate is, as well, but it it's is. not for everybody. It's like somebody no. buying a painting versus buying a photograph to put on their wall. So, yeah. But, but I also sort of think that it comes back to that idea that even if you are being targeted as a photographer, I think that is you wouldn't want to be that person. I totally agree with the people who say you, you don't want to be that person who's being targeted as an example, especially if you're famous, you work very hard to get to your position however i just don't still don't see how this is any different from when you go to university and you you know i imagine (laughs) and and you go you go to art school and and you end up doing a study on one of the 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 masters Mm. you know what you are doing for a long period of time is is using their their work as inspiration to create and form your own style and yes a bot can do it probably a billion times faster which is scary but it's kind of the same outcome in my mind. And and I think the more you think about it as being, you know, being stolen from, I think that, yeah, that really puts a negative foot forward. But mm. uh, but for most of us, I actually don't really, as you say, I don't know that this is going to have any huge impact in a negative way. One that I did want to touch on, though, was someone who will be impacted negatively, just to, just to acknowledge the fact that there is some bad that might come from this for some people. Go I was going to say that... Um, there's a lot of very, very famous and incredibly talented product photographers out there who do amazing things with products and lighting and stuff. Like think about people who photograph, say, watches or if you do um, cars or even food photography, um, the, the photos have to be so bloody perfect that I think those guys are really stupidly talented. But because it's such 
a time and labor intensive thing, these are very expensive um, processes to go through. And so I can definitely see AI impacting that part of the industry where you go, look, it's just as easy for us to re- you know, to replicate a digital version of that watch or that background or that whatever. Or maybe it's that you've got a 3D model of the watch already done because you're manufacturing mm. it. Mm. And you go, hey, here's a computer that can basically go and put it in situ. But I, I, I'd, I'd be probably reckon that's already happening i mean 3d animation has been around a long time yeah so that that i can see it being done but no, like if you're a wedding photographer um no one's going to be going look uh, <laughs> i'll just go and order a quick album of my wedding um here's some of the inspiration um pics from an iphone that we snapped can you please go and mock it up uh, I don't yeah, see and who happening. wants that who wants that well honestly i i don't love what i was wearing on the day so it wouldn't be bad to redo it. oh come on <laughs> You're much more handsome now than you were back then, Matthew, even though you didn't invite me to your wedding, bastard. Silver fox. Um, <laughs> so tell me, though. All right, so just to come back to, to what you were saying right as well, you, we went from like talking about film to digital days, but then I reckon one that's actually probably the closest thing we've had to AI to date that people have really experienced, and I'm going to say really has been a bit of a fizz, is sky replacement in Photoshop. Right. And some of those some of those tools, like... Yeah. How do you think that you're a landscape photographer? How, when that came out, do you think a lot of people went, "Oh crap, it's all over now"? No, I think it was just the computer doing something that we could have otherwise done ourselves, but it'd take longer. So it, again, it's not something that's new; it's more just an enhanced version of what we've done already. So I didn't see it as a problem so much because it's not my wheelhouse. I don't do sky replacements in Photoshop, and if I did, I'd probably go great. Now it can save me a whole lot of time by doing it much quicker for me anyway so so do you think though that people would have maybe been a bit worried about like you know what does this mean for competitions and what does this mean for you know if you're a commercial photographer producing mm. artwork on the walls i mean you 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 could argue that you don't have to be as good of a photographer if you're producing a gallery of, of prints if you could just go and shop any sky you wanted into it yeah yeah well yeah you could do that and and, and has that dramatically yeah. affected your business <laughs> I don't think it has. No, not at all. <laughs> I, I think, you know, people are still, um, I wouldn't say naive, but still take photographs on face value. And this is where I think we need to perhaps consider what we disclose in the future in terms of, and I wish more of it happened now, to be honest, mm. but in terms of is this is this straight out of the camera, so to speak? Is this what you saw as the artist or is this computer generated in some way? Has that sky been dropped in or is this complete, um, you know, fabrication? Is this complete computer AI technology? Um, you know, I would expect that that people at the end of the day still come into an art gallery and, and view photography as being something that's wholly created by the artists themselves with minimal enhancements. Well, that's the way I go with it. But that, that's not to say that there's not a place for all the other stuff as well. I just don't think it holds as much value to perhaps somebody buying it because they value the fact that it's being created by somebody who is hopefully talented in what they do and that's what they're willing to pay for. Yeah, definitely. I, I, you're right. I think the the transparency aspect of this does irk me a bit. I think that the, um, you know, in this particular case with um, Absolute AI when they won this DigiDirect competition, I think that, yes, it was cheeky and sneaky to, to, to go in and, and 
and try their hand at it. But I also think that you couldn't have done that any other way. Like the whole point was to see if people could be duped or not, because if you, if you disclosed it at, at the, the point in time, people would pick it apart and be like, oh, of course it's this, or of course it's yeah. that. You, you needed yeah. to do a blind test. And I yeah. think the way they went about disclosing it instantly and the way that they've responded to this since, yeah. and in fact, the way DigiDirect has responded to this by going and now putting in an, a, basically an image generation category in their photography competitions yes. is, yeah. is the perfect adaptation. Of course, of course um, it is. You know, there's going to be horses for courses. And so for perhaps those who are interested in its technology and want to take it further, they can obviously um, produce those images themselves and enter them into competitions. I, I'd be interested to speak to a couple of the the guys that I know who work in this space who, who run comps and, and see what their thoughts are about it and also how they are willing to or how they, they are going to go about combating it. And it's probably the same as you've touched on already. It's the same as what we've been they've been doing for years which is demanding to see a raw file and and perhaps get a backstory as well there, there was yeah. a, case a few years ago with a wolf jumping over a, a fence i think it yeah was. it was a fox a fox yeah. I think. and, and that, yeah it was um it was the natural history museum one they've been caught out a couple of times they got caught out with the antelope as well that was sort of or the anteater that was the anteater, yeah, with the glow in the dark termites. Yep. Yeah, exactly. That was discovered to be um, a stuffed animal in a foyer of a bloody hotel or museum or something. Yeah. Um, you know, so so being able to say, right, we'll show us the raw file, and I mean that's just so simple. Surely, you know, at it the end is. of the day, you know, come on, guys, show us the raw file. Oh, what you, you're taking, you can't find it. <laughs> Hello. Um, well, then you're just not eligible, isn't it? Like, no, that's the, exactly. That's the reality. Sorry, you, you, you know? need to provide the raw file within a week, otherwise we're going to choose a different winner. You know, mm. that's the long and the short of it. And, and also, you know, a, lo- a lot of people, a lot of competitions already do that. Like not all of them, oh, obviously, they should. but they a lot should. of them already do that. They ask for proof of the raw image. And most of the time that's actually to see how hard you've manipulated it or whether you've yes. done any major changes to it. Yeah. So it's kind of a bit of a stopgap for serious comps and as we said earlier you've got to remember with this competition don't get too infuriated by it the the statement from the the ai company who who did this really i think it overstated a little bit like they just won the olympics when in actual fact they they won the local cross country because <laughs> um, it is like don't give me you know Direct, great good on them weekly competition but it, it's a weekly competition with a hundred dollar prize um and it's run on facebook it is we're not talking about the the world landscape photographer of the year award that tom took out a couple of years ago if, if that happened i'd be a little bit more like I hold think, on guys yes. we're not ready for this yet we've um, yeah. obviously got some preps to do i agree um i think it was simply just that company dipping their toe in the water and 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 you know a bit of a publicity stunt in order 100 oh, percent you know okay well this is what's possible guys and and maybe they're doing ourselves a, a service by saying Hey guys, this is possible. Everybody out there running a competition perhaps needs to be more aware of the fact that AI technology, AI generated photographs, perhaps are being entered, and therefore you guys need to just um, you know be aware of that. Perhaps create mm. a different category like they've done, or um, for anything they're going to award. Again, just a simple email. Hey Tom, congratulations! We've chosen your image as the winner. Can you just flick us across the raw file just so we can um, have proof that it's yours and not generated by a computer? Thanks very much. Great. And, and you know what? They've already got that in in the um, the reporting and and media world. Um, this is why, one of the reasons raw files exist. You can't modify them. So you know, if you if you work for Getty Images, for instance, you, you have to provide. As far as I understand, you only provide raw images. You can't provide JPEGs. Right. You know, because it, it's meant to be a documentation of 
that exact thing that was there. You're reporting on a situation. So that kind of exists already for a lot of things. So I, I think the people who are getting really worried about this probably don't work in the industry or they work in a niche part that might might be might be affected. But there is one there is one more here though, Tom, that John. we saw. And this is actually um, a really interesting take on it. Um, there's a guy who um, Joe Avery um, or Joss Yoss, sorry, Yoss Avery, who was on Instagram, and this was published by Petapixel and sent to me by my uncle actually. And it's um, he's a popular portrait photographer who has oh. now been revealed yes, as I being only generating AI images, and he was. But this is where that line gets blurred because he was actually answering. He got thirty thousand followers through this, and he was answering people's comments like diligently, like the best photographer on the planet. Not even good photographers they don't have time to reply to everyone, especially when there's thirty thousand of them. But um, he was claiming that he was shooting them on a Nikon D810 with twenty-four to seventy lens, and it's only recently that he's come out. Um, and, and some people did, did um, I should say, called him out on AI during his, his time on Instagram like that, but he, he didn't respond to those people and has only recently come out saying, yeah, actually everything is completely AI because mm. there's some dead giveaways in his photos that, that they're not possible. He was claiming to use some sort of Photoshopping techniques for the bokeh, um, but in actual fact, they're just AI portraits. Mm. And now he said, actually, I've come to learn that so many people love my work that maybe I just need to be comfortable in saying that, no, these are not shot on camera. I'm actually a digital artist. Yeah. And now he's made himself into a famous digital artist taking essentially uh, AI portraits. Have you seen that um, something came up? Oh, let's see if I can find it on my Facebook, whereby... You know, people love photos of themselves, especially you, Matt. But, um, <laughs> yeah, well, you know. There was this, there was this um, app that turned up on my Facebook feed this morning about you upload a few photos of yourself and it creates all of those digital avatars of you. Yes. So you can use them yeah. for your Facebook, you know, post or LinkedIn, et cetera, et cetera. So it's crazy. it makes you perhaps have a little bit more of a chiseled chin or, you know, smooths out the skin and all that sort of stuff. I think it's interesting just to play with that to see what it comes up with, you know. And that's and been of creeping into the Facebook world for a little bit now anyway with people using, you know, what looks like to be a hand-drawn sketch of your your profile picture, which is just computer-generated rather than somebody actually sketching it. So, Absolutely. And, look, this guy is pretty, um, you know, I agree with you on, on, on like, with those apps, you can do all that stuff. And here's, here's the thing with this, this Avery character. He <laughs> says, he's, one of his statements is quite interesting because it does actually cross over to what you were saying about how the disclosure needs to happen. And he claims that he wasn't out there to – so he sets out he set out there to fool people, right? Right. And he says, do people wear, who wear makeup in photos disclose they're wearing makeup? What about cosmetic surgery in photos? Every commercial fashion photograph has a heavy dose of Photoshopping, including celebrity bodies replacement, celebrity body replacement on the covers of magazines. And yep. he's comparing that to AI saying, you know what, basically – We've been able to do this for a long time. It was just slow and horrible and boring, and now I can yeah. get a machine to do it in seconds. So yeah. why is it more incorrect? How Which is, is interesting it? take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Tom, I um, I have a little bit of a surprise for you. Go on. Well, because we're going so well in the podcast stakes, you know, we're overtaking other podcasts in our local <laughs> area, uh, <laughs> climbing that podcast ladder, as some would say. Um. I thought it was about time that we reached out and had a guest on our podcast. Love it. Love it. Who have you got? Can you guess who it is? Is it? It's a, is it the original lady who made all of the Siri recordings? 
Uh, no, although that would be amazing. We could get her to record a whole bunch of custom messages for us. Um, uh, no, and it's not Nick Fletcher and it is not the team from our rival podcast. Definitely not. I have managed to snaffle some time with absolutely AI from Sydney. We're going to meet with Jamie, who is one of the, I don't know whether he's one of the creators. He was the founder. I don't know. We're going to find out. But we're going to chat with the guys who were responsible for winning that DigiDirect competition who started this controversy here in our lovely country of Australia. And we, um, we can learn a bit more because we've got our opinion today of what we think it's at. But we're still getting educated about this space too. So we might be pleasantly or unpleasantly surprised with what Jamie has to say about this whole AI shenanigan. So guys, tune into the next podcast as we bring you from the horse's mouth, from the digital horse's mouth, everything you want to know and we want to know about photography creation with an AI chatbot. Unreal. Thanks, Matt. That's awesome. Look forward to it. See you next time. Bye. Bye.